Let's start here, where I think the answer begins for everything and everybody, in the place of acknowledgement. Indigenous peoples in this country have taught me the most about what acknowledgement truly means. So everything that I've created for you happened here on Treaty 7 land, which is now known as the center part of the province of Alberta. It is home to the Blackfoot Confederacy, made up of the Siksika, the Kainai, the Pikani, the Tatina First Nation, the Stony Nakoda First Nation, and the Métis Nation Region 3. It is always my honor, my privilege mostly, to raise my babies on this land where so much sacrifice was made, and to build a community, invite a community in, talk about hard things, as we together learn and unlearn about the most important things, that we were never meant to do any of this alone. humans welcome in welcome back uh today listen this uh journey into podcasting when i dreamed about having a podcast i was like who would be the most phenomenal inaugural virgin voyage or mate Mm -hmm, yes on this journey okay and i only had one hero in my mind and ladies and gentlemen, humans of all sizes and ages, we got Joe Dombrowski here, a.k.a. Mr. D, uh, who took the world by storm in 2017 with a viral April Fool's Day spelling test prank that landed him multiple appearances, multiple appearances on the Ellen DeGeneres show, which is really a spark in, the, in, in where we're, we are now. So don't get it twisted, though. It takes at least 20 years to be an overnight sensation. Right? You've said that many times. Joe has been doing stand-up comedy since he was eight years old in his third-grade talent show, and he has never looked back. Now, since Joe's rise to fame, he's been traveling the globe with his stand-up comedy, which often highlights his crazy life as an elementary school teacher, as a up-and-coming husband, and uh, all the things that go along with everything like that. And when he's not getting creative on screens and stages, Joe spends his time in Seattle, Washington, producing his podcast, Social 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 Studies. You should actually rename that. It's a it's tongue, fucking hard to tongue say. twister. Where he recaps absolutely insane stories from teachers all over the world. And you also do many more things now, which we're going to talk about today. And uh, I just want to say um, this is the hugest honor for me to sit in the opposite chair of you because you have been instrumental in making me believe that I could do great things. And so to you, I say, welcome, my friend. Oh, my God. Am I your Dr. Jody Carrington? You are mine. That's you are my beautiful. Brene Brown. You are, <gasps> you are the wind beneath my wings. You are, which is really, do you know what is really fucking dumb about bust. that song? If you put wind beneath wings, that fucking bird would crash. So that is a dumb song. Can but I anyway, tell you something about that? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, first of all, are you an ally who sings that song? Bette Midler. Hesitation. Literally. No, I was just. Uh, I knew. There to was the hesitation. Core of me. Did you know that Bette Midler is such an ally that she used to perform in 
bathhouses to the gays. What? Yeah, she did. She used to just like pop up in the bathhouse and be like, now we're going to do a little boogie woogie bugle boy. And, oh, I would And then would, that. yeah, I was like that. Progressive. I, I would like to pop up in bathhouses. In the 90s, in like the height of Really? The, yeah, like she was not scared. She was like, I'm going to do it for the gays. That Midler did. Yeah, now you know. This podcast is about where you came from. Mm-hmm. I know to the core of me, and you and I have talked about this many times, that we're all way more alike than we are different. And maybe most importantly, the difference between empathy and judgment often lies in understanding where another comes from. So tell me, Joe Dombrowski, where would we start with you? Where do you <sighs> come from? This is a great this is a great question. So I am originally from Detroit, Michigan. Born in Detroit, Michigan, raised in the outskirts. And small, small family of three. I'm an only child. <laughs> shocking. <laughs> and uh, I have a very, like, outgoing, boisterous, alive family, which I think sparks, like, what who I am today. Because my family was, in, like, built on jokes and joking. Right. And even though, um, <clears throat> even at a very, very young age, I was exposed to comedy specifically stand up really yes 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 i remember too like we went to disney world for new year's one year and there was a this a stand up showcase and my parents were like let's go and it was all these up and coming people who you probably not heard of and we saw a yet to be discovered Kathy Griffin perform stop yeah yeah which and I like I vividly like say what you want about her whatever but like I can see how you feel that yeah it's in your bones for sure yeah Yeah. but it it, it's crazy to have that experience and like be a stand-up now Mm. because you I I can see it I can see exactly, I can see what she looked like. I can see what she was wearing, how young she was, the jokes that she was doing, which is much different from the jokes that she eventually was famous for. Okay. You yeah. know, which was cool to see the evolution of a comedian there. And then like we we went and then saw more comedians that day and it was just like crazy and constantly inundated with humor, joking around, messing around, pranks. And then when I went to like say that that was my life journey, Squish squash. It was yeah. Squish. Fran squash. said. Fran get said a no because job. their whole thing and like say what you want. Their whole thing was like we don't want him to be a starving artist. Fair. Right. Yeah. So and uh, just whatever. Some people have a hard time with that term. Fuck them. It's real. Yeah. And they didn't want that for me, so they were like, "Look, you can pursue this comedy entertainment dream with." Uh, degree behind it in something else. So if it doesn't work out, you can fall back and like not just be, you know. Love it. Love right. it as a parent. Good idea. So you don't have to start an OnlyFans I mean, is pretty it, much what they were saying. <laughs> right. They were ahead of their time. <laughs> of their Good pro- job, mom and dad. Progress. Yeah. So, progress. So then it was a journey of like, what do I like? What do I like to do? And I did like working with kids. And I what I really liked was the creativity of elementary school. Because in elementary school, teacher if i took like an intro to teaching class in at university i went to central michigan university which is in the middle of a cornfield um which i know you know a lot about because you're from old alberta and <laughs> which is why is that funny fucker first of it's all not. i love it i love it oh you guys i can't wait to come to olds yeah. <laughs> for harvest time <laughs> and <laughs> and eat some corn do you guys have a fair or a festival like, oh what's it called Joe. like the 
like all the fairs in the United States have like a like the Peach Fest or the Squash Parade. What's old? Oldstoberfest. Old sto- and tell me about it. Oh, the beer, the rodeo. Joe, I could get you. Not the could- rodeo. You compete against Calgary and you have your own. How would you even? Oh, you you don't. Right. But you, it's a big deal. I can't You could wait. try to maybe get on a sheep or a, <laughs> maybe you could do some. You could not get on a sheep. Yes, you can. As a, ta- a, as a youngster. Poor sheep. You would be too long. But anyway, back. <laughs> stop distracting me on my own show. What? Back to the point. Back to the point. Okay. okay. But I also feel like you as a child was. A circle back. W- w- thank you for noticing. Was very, um, like you were very creative. Like if I see that early Super. Eminem per picture of you where you dyed your hair um blonde we if we could insert that photo make a note of that um because i think there was a lot of you being amazing like that that one image that i've seen of you over and over again really makes me think about like how greatness was with my mohawk yes Mm -hmm. yeah i would (laughs) define extrovert you look up extrovert and it's just a picture of me yes so so here was the thing definitely was Seeking out attention at all costs all the time. Shout out to my third grade teacher, too, who taught me. She saw a spark in me that I was wanted to be funny all the time. But she also recognized that it was too much, but I had skill. So she, I remember specifically her teaching me about, like, time and place. And if you're funny all the time, no one will take you serious. I remember that. Wow. What was her name? Miss Battlemente. And I remember that. I remember. And what she did was I was so riddled with ADHD and not I was never a overly bright student, like average, sometimes above average, but not excelling by any means. And what she did is she allowed me to learn in my own way. So when other students were like writing their written book reports or whatever it was, she allowed me to perform it in front stop. of the whole class yeah okay so full stop when you're acknowledged you rise and i know that you have to experience to give it away and i mean fast forward we're going to get to this part of your story but you are maybe one of the best people at that mm-hmm. allowing people to feel seen in your presence is one of the things that i i don't even think you understand your power and when i watched you last night on stage when i listened to people who love you like richie who opened for you last night Everybody who I've ever met in your presence or who introduced me to you would say, he makes you feel so important. And I love that story about Miss Bellamonte because you have to experience that in order to be able to give that away. And I know your mom, I mean, knowing your parents, right? Like that is so critically important, but your parents can only do so much in this process. It is like those moments as a grade three-er that you remember that I want to talk about so much because it's like, do not underestimate how fucking important that becomes. And you knew in that moment, huh? Okay. This is too much, maybe in some situations, but like, do not squash my light. And this is the thing. So eventually spoiler, spoiler alert, people who don't know me and we'll get into this. I eventually became a teacher and served in elementary settings for 10 years anyway. And it was inspired by her a lot. Um, I've never heard her name, before. but here, here was the, thing is I always tell teachers because with the root of my comedy being embedded in like working with kids and teaching I get you know just like you I speak to a lot of conventions and conferences and districts you know Um, and the one thing that I always say is I hate 
hate, hate when districts make their teachers teach the curriculum verbatim. Mm -hmm. Like, as it's written, you shall teach it as a script. And I think that that's such... Do we swear? We don't swear, You've really. done many times. Already? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, sorry. Fuck it. It's um, fine. That, I think that that's bullshit because you... That curriculum was designed and tested with a specific group of learners from one specific area of the world. And now we're pumping this curriculum out and we're telling teachers all over that this will work for your kids. And it, mm. that's that's setting them up for failure because your kids are different than yours are different than yours are different than yours and they learn different. So I tell teachers, look at a curriculum like a skeleton and it's your job to put the meat on the bones. And what the meat on the bones is, is those are the little... Um, tips and tricks and things that you know will work for this particular kid, you but, know? And, and Joey, as you say that, like, I think about that in the human race. So like you and I talked about this last night. So we speak on many, many stages. I have one set of slides that I basically go back to every time uh -huh. when, whether I'm speaking to police officers or firefighters or funeral directors or teachers or parents or hockey coaches, because there is a human element to human services professions and teachers are probably one of the most important, not probably, one of, if not the most important profession on the planet. You spend more waking hours with kids than their primary parents, their caregivers do. Huh? And your ability to give them things far beyond the curriculum. The curriculum is the least of our fucking concerns, period, right. full stop. Right, right, huh? right, right. Like it, you, you don't learn anything. Like I cannot tell you, I got a PhD. I cannot tell you specifically about a curriculum, any piece of the curriculum that I learned in, I mean, I, I was in school for fucking 25 years. I don't remember nothing. I remember the relationships. I remember the fuck ups. I, I remember the forgivenesses. I remember the times where somebody would pull me inside and be like, amazing Joe, but you, you, you cannot take over in this situation. And I would be hurt and cry and they were okay. Got it. I'm back in. Right. And I love that about that story. It's so true. And when you say that that's true in comedy, yeah. Right. Like you can do a joke, but your ability to relate to people is second to none, Joey. Right. Like your ability to sort of pick out and, and somebody in a crowd and go with that. Like how do you think you're just good at that? Or do you think that is a skill that that you can develop, that people can get? Circling it back. I think it really comes down to what happened to me in third grade, too. Like, what did you say earlier? You just said something that struck me. When you're recognized, you riot. What is it? When you acknowledge, you rise. It's my signature move. And in my book that, of course, you've read many times, Feeling Seen, <laughs> it's an entire chapter. Right. So here's the thing. It's fine. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. It's true when you acknowledge you rise. And I think what Miss Badalamente did for me is she acknowledged my differences as a learner and used the curriculum as a skeleton. And the meat on the bones for me was allowing me to use performance to show my understanding of oh, the curriculum. In. So in turn, what that did for me is that allowed me to recognize my students and therefore individuals, period, as unique individuals with individual ticks, tricks, all of it, right? So when I'm on stage and I'm doing crowd work and I'm pointing out all these people, you not only are talking to this person and extracting information and thinking about what I'm going to say about what you're saying, I also have to feel this person out. Like, are they comfortable with this? How far can I take this with them? Are they laughing? Are they enjoying? What is it? What's their What's their body posture right now? Are they nervous? Are they sweating? Are they trying to deflect it onto somebody or get else? Under the table. Yeah. And if they are is this a type of person who's going to allow me to go deeper with them to get the funny out and then be okay with it? Or is this going to break them to the point that they will no longer come to a comedy show, period? You just described are, my career as a therapist. I tell people this all the time. Comedy 
and teaching and therapy are literally the same thing. You have fractions of seconds to diagnose a situation and act based on instinct and let's what is it professional understanding Judgment. yeah that that ability to interact with people is you've just described the single most important thing that this that the world needs to be well mm-hmm. and in the middle of a mental health crisis mm. what has happening more than anything people are like is it the guns is it the lack of resources it is it no it is the single the thing that you just described the ability to read another human being to be brave enough to step in and even address another human being and wonder about them. And yeah. And the less skilled we get at that, the less seen you have been in your life, you are increasingly unable to do that. Yes. And that typically happens way more often with marginalized peoples, people who have not been in positions of privilege or had the Miss Bellamontes in their life or the, the privilege of having parents who no matter what will navigate the highs and lows with you. Exactly. Like I, I just think, okay, so Sorry, Belamonte was so, still a great so, tree. So because just based exactly what you're saying, then because of her flash forward to me, 18 years old, about to go into college, and my parents are telling me you're not going to be a professional performer without a degree. So now I'm in this place of, well, what do I choose? What do I do, right? Mm. And I remember the, feel, the, the positive feelings of elementary school, the positive feelings oh, of like these that. teachers who allowed me to be myself, and it clicked on me. Elementary school is having your own PBS show every day and live, right? <laughs> and I'm and I'm that's me. And Sign I was like, me that's up. me. Right. So then I was like, let's study, let's let's see. Took a few intro classes, loving it, a few more, loving it. Now I'm like excelling, excelling. And then what sealed the deal was an elementary literature class. And when so when you're doing your language arts and elementary studies, they break it up in all these different categories that you have to take like you have to take lit like a writing course to learn about how the writing development of a child works yeah reading yes, courses yes. but you also have to take performance classes Ooh. to practice being an engaging reader yourself to instill that in kids yeah girl game you- fucking over <laughs> the 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 you were professors- the teacher's pet she was asking me, the professor was asking me to come back semester after semester after semester <laughs> to perform my final project for her current students to show them how it's done. I was like, babe, you fucking got this. <laughs> I got this. And that is, and that's why I'll never say people are like, oh, but you always wanted to be comedian, right? So you didn't really like teaching? No, no, no. I loved it, which is why my career in comedy worked so much because when I made the pivot to talk about teaching, that shined through. Right, right. Yeah, you can't fake that. No. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. All right. So at what point then? So you, when did you come out? How old were you? Of the gay closet? Is that a thing? Uh, Can I yeah, I mean, it was like progr- progressional, progressional, progressive. Yeah, you steps. say as a teacher, you can you have a very you strong inclination about who's gay and who isn't, or you make sort of like, oh, come on, right? Like, like, or who who has a little like rainbow in them? We right. don't know what it is, but there's something. That's just how it is. Coming out, you never actually stop. You're always coming out, and it doesn't matter how obvious you think a person is or not based mm-hmm. off of like what you see immediately, you never stop coming out. So then there's like first step first is coming out to yourself. Okay. And then you come out to like those who are closest to you in a lot of cases, usually like a friend. And then you're coming out to people and then you're coming out in college and blah, blah, blah. You're always coming out. Right. When I was in college, there was talks like very openly and publicly from the professors saying like, don't, if you're gay, don't talk about it, push it down, whatever. So then like getting my first job, you know, now I'm like shy, whatever. I get got to come up to a couple employees. Maybe if you feel comfortable with that, it's maybe a couple parents start to get curious and you have to decide is this safe as this not like coming out, like to, to say, when did you come out? Is like, well, which time? Oh, I love that. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so you step into this job as te- as a teacher. You love it. Mm-hmm. And you do something one day that, like, would you still describe the spelling test as the thing that was pivotal? Like, I know yeah. everybody describes that for you as, or maybe that's what I've seen. You know, people say, like, oh, it was the Ellen. T- can you tell me a little bit about how that happened, what that was? Like, do you think you'd be where you are today without, without that video? Ellen, without that video. I have a lot of self-confidence in myself and I think I would have gotten here eventually in a much, much, much slower climb for sure. And then break that down even further. I think if it was just the video and not Ellen, even slower, Okay, but still happening. Um, But like this was, I I do really believe that like individuals have destiny and this is mine. Yes. I I really do. do. I do too. Um, So that video was very critical and it's so funny because people are always like, It was an accident. Like you posted this funny video and now like you went viral. And the best part about me reflecting on this is just recap for everybody. I did a spelling test prank to my fourth grade class. All the words were made up. They were having panic attacks. And then I told them it was April Fool's. It's just a funny video. Go watch it. So we'll link it in the show notes. I posted that video. At historically the worst time to post a video, I posted it on my personal Facebook page. No hashtags, barely. I don't even know if I put a caption, anything like that. And I remember making a very conscious decision. Before you post something on Facebook at the time, it asks if you want it to be public or private. Because I was a teacher, my whole Facebook page was private. But he asked me if I wanted to make this video public or private. And I clicked public very consciously. I remember that. Yeah. Because I knew this video had legs to stand on. Like, I knew this video was 
had potential. Funny. So yeah. I was like, just let's see what happens. And boom, wake up with 20 million views. That is wild. That is wild. And so then just somebody from Ellen Show found it, connected to you. You talk about your experiences because you were back three times? Twice. Twice. And both of them amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Experiences and like some direction though about like be a teacher you're not here to be a comedian is that yes yes that story, yes correct? they did definitely say that they were they were like we're painting this out as your wholesome uh teacher uh and this was a mistake and it just happened oh my god and i was and and then specifically i remember them saying to me we know you're a comedian this isn't your last comic standing audition don't make it about you you're never going to be funnier than Ellen, so don't try. If she hits you a joke, don't ping it back. Like, I was like, baby, I'm just here to have a good time and be myself. I go, the people are going to they're gonna fucking love me. But, like, <laughs> but like, And you see. just, and how do you feel so about then, those? Yeah. I do feel about what? About those interviews or what? I do feel like? good about the interviews. Now, I was scared as shit because they also told me, first of all, I asked if Ellen was going to, like, come back and say hi before filming. And they were like, nope. You're going to meet her for the first time on stage. We really want to see that authentic, real first interaction. And I was like, I understand. Um, and I was like, can you relay a message for me since we're just going to be on camera the whole time? I just want to like, you know, thank her, blah, blah, you know, for having me and also for being such a strong advocate. I remember when Ellen came out and it was that that magazine cover. I'm gay and like being gay, but never saying that yet and reading the word and identifying it to a person who's comfortable with that word as their identifier. And I was like telling the producers, like, just can you tell her from me? And they're like, I think that would come better if it was from you. But they go, just so you know, you might not have this opportunity to tell her because this is how it's going to work. You're going to go on stage, lights, camera, action, and then you're going to cut to commercial breaks. And this, she's working. This is her job. So it might get hard for her. She might have to get up and brush her teeth or fix her hair or fix her makeup or get a cup of coffee, whatever it is she's working. So she might like just get up and walk away when the cameras are off. So we don't know what's going to happen, but if you have an opportunity, go for it. So I go on stage, we're sitting there, we're chit chatting, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, um, everything's going great. And then they cut to the first commercial break and I'm fully expecting her to just walk away. And she instead turns to me and she goes, I heard you're a comedian. And I'm like, Oh, am I supposed to talk about this? I don't, I don't know. So I was just like, yes. And she goes, well, I watched some of your stuff and I want you to know I think you're very funny. <sighs> and I'm like, fuck. I'm like, thank you so much. And I just said it. But I, you know, I really like teaching is what I was talking about. She <laughs> goes, no, I don't think you understand. She goes, you're very funny. Uh, you need to do something with that. And I'm like about to shit myself. And <gasps> boom, cameras go back on. I know, and I'm like, you, if you watch the clip back, you can see it. I'm like, what? What just happened? Stop, stop, stop. Okay, two things in that story, as, as you were talking about that, made me think about the fact that never, again, the, the theme of this episode is like never underestimate your power in so many ways because I often think about people saying, and you get this way more than me, obviously, but people saying like, you have no idea how much you meant to me. You, I read your stuff. I saw your show. I read your content. I read the book. Like you changed my life. You saved my life. All of those kind of things. And you know, you never even met meet, meet them. Huh? And I think about you looking at that magazine cover as somebody who just then needed that affirmation or you saw yourself in that, like that sort of representation idea. 
And and then even in that moment, for her to be able to say those words, again, similar to Miss Belamonte, if we look over the stream of our life, it is, I think, the best part mm. of therapy is to be able to pull apart those moments that were defining moments, right? And oftentimes, you know, for her, um, that was just a slight of, you know, and I and I believe she said it and meant it. I, you know, like, oh, I 100% believe she meant it. And obviously. But I, I, there was a few people that made you great. Is there anybody that didn't make you great? Oh. When you think about those defining moments in your world? You know, I think that's a loaded question. I think that there were definitely people who were trying to dim my shine and trying to not make me great. But in turn, I feel like adversity makes you greater. Mm, tell me about that. I just, you know, so many times, like I going back to college, people saying like, you can't be gay and you can't be a teacher or even people saying like, oh, your act in comedy is too gay. You got to whatever. And like uh, and internalizing those words and internalizing those feelings and breaking against the mold mm -hmm. and being received even better just kind of allows you to overcome that. And when people try, for me, it's true for me. I know it's not true for all people, but when people try to push me down and push me in a box, I break out and I... I always end up on top. I'm just, I just, I'm better because of it, mm. you know, mm -hmm. kind of. And I think it's like those defining moments, right? When I think about, you know, where would you say, you know, was the hardest transition so far? You know, if I think about what's brought 100% leaving my job, well, leaving my full-time teaching job yeah. was so, so, so hard. And I had a boss who I didn't really <laughs> ever see eye to eye with them, but they did say something to me that I thought was so, uh, I don't know if the word is kind, but you you put a put a label on this interaction. I don't know what the word is, okay? So I, as most teachers are, striving for perfection, trying to be your absolute best, giving it 100% your all, everything, right? Yeah. And that's me. And then at the same time, my comedy career is picking up. I'm gone out of the classroom a lot. Right. I'm leaving every Friday, catching a plane, doing shows, being back on Sunday night for work on Monday. Sometimes flying in on red eyes, going straight from the airport to work to just like start, you know what I mean? And um, that's happening time and time and time and time again. I get my evaluations for the end of the school year and they're not bad, but they're not great. And I'm always striving for like top A marks. Yeah. And I challenged my... in. Uh, a principal on this and I was like I actually think I am doing my best right I am giving you highly effective work I'm you know and she said to me I'm just gonna keep it to you real okay you are you a great teacher she goes mm, nope I think right now you're good she goes are you a great comedian she goes I don't know your act because I haven't see it seen it yet but I think you're probably good not great. I think you're probably good. And she goes, I don't think you're going to be great at either of these things until you give it 100% of your time. Wow. And followed up by saying, and if we break that down further, one of these things is always going to be here for you. You're always going to have the degree. And one of these things, you have to hit the nail while it's hot in order to see where it's going to go. And I think you know what you need to do to be successful. And I said to her, am I fired? <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, you're not fired, but I think you've been given a gift. What a gift she just gave you. I think you've been given a gift and I think you need, I think you have a, a choice to make on what you want to be great at. And I was like, holy fuck. And I quit the next week. 
Not only did I quit the next week, I did something so bad. I have the scarlet letter in teaching for sure. I actually, because I knew I was quitting, I took a very great, first of all, scary to go from this profession where you have a consistent paycheck, although little, week after month, month after month after month, you're always going to have money really like you just, you know, the checks there yeah. into this new profession where it's like you get paid versus based off of what, how much you're working. Yeah. You're not working. You're not getting right. paid. So I had an opportunity for a very good paying job that happened to be on the last day of school. And I was teaching fifth grade, which means they're now going into middle school. It's their last day of elementary school period. And I didn't have any sick days or personal days left. And I quit and didn't go to that last day of school teaching to take that comedy job to get paid so that I can have the money to fall back on. And I have no regrets about it at all. Really? At all. Wow. At all. Yeah. Because I think too, sad, I'll be honest, didn't like that class at all anyway. But Jody, teachers... Teachers won't say this publicly, oh. but it's true. You don't like them all. You don't like them all. Okay, that yeah. class was riddled with sadness. And and I actually, the following year, I read Kids These Days, and I pulled over on the side of the road texting you. Crying. Uh, crying because I needed I needed the book Kids These Days a year earlier than when I yeah. got yeah. it. You needed but, to do what you needed to do for you because it was right. killing you. And you, I mean, I, I love I love that transition. But I, do think not that class, but I have had other classes of kids who have had over the years who are now like 22, 23 years old. And they're writing me mm-hmm. saying, you always told us to like reach our dreams and work hard and dream big. And you're doing it now in real time. And it's amazing to see that happen. And I do believe one day that class will be like, it wasn't us. Like he was doing him. And that's oh, yeah. fine. I love it. I love it. So now what? Oh, now, what's going to happen? Biggest dreams, biggest fears. Where are we at in this chapter? I am carving out my career and I'm critically looking at what I want my career to look like, sound like, feel like. And I think I'm going to go a little bit of a different path than most comedians. So, as you know, I'm getting married next year. Yeah, you are. And I really, and I hope I do have ambitions of having a family of my own Mm -hmm. and I really see my career pivoting from this teacher comedy into a dad gay dad that struggle that awkwardness because there's already so much that's happened with Mm -hmm. it with like all of that and I see myself being more like family oriented in my work but if I'm ever going to be a dad like I am going to be with my fucking kids and yeah. this job of comedy is demanding. You're gone a yeah. lot, yeah. but I am determined to make it work in a way where, like, I'm not an I'm not going to be an absent father. Like, yeah. even when I walked in here, I was like, oh, if I have kids, they'll definitely come to the Fantasyland Hotel. Yeah. They'll fucking love this. You know what yeah. I mean? And just like being involved and having them see these places with me, and and being very conscious of my tour schedule and when it happens and how it happens, yeah. and carving out my own destiny to thrive in this business because I want two very ambitious goals and I will have them. Yeah. Yeah, you will. Because if you tell yourself you're not going to do it, you won't. Right, right. And what are they? I definitely want a family, a beautiful family with my partner Morgan. And I want to be a very successful, highly sought after stand-up comic. Done. 
I guess. Huh? We're going to make it happen. It will, it will happen. You, it will. And I think I, I've loved to be in, I mean, I've come to so many of your shows. We've met Fortune Feimster together. I've watched you change, I think, evolve. It's been such a gift for me. And I, I think so many people who love you. I mean, I'm one of millions, but I think that it is just been so such a gift to watch you evolve and to watch you really understand this concept of you can't tell people how to be great. You have to show them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. That's really who you are. And, and I guess, you know, my last question for you is really, and I, I always, this is a hard question for most people and I, and I don't think it will be for you, but do you know the muffin man, the muffin man, the muffin man? Do you? I don't. No? He yet. lives on Drury Lane, I heard. Drury. We just and giving out his address on here. Sorry, Muffin Man. <laughs> Do you know how great you are? Is it bad if I say yes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I RuPaul says nothing. RuPaul less. says if you don't love yourself, how the hell are you gonna love anybody else? Can I have an amen? And yeah. like I don't think I'm amen. the I don't think I'm the beacon of fucking greatness in anywhere, but I think I'm doing big things and I have big drives and big ambitions and I'm not going to let anybody tell me no. And I think that that's a great quality and I'm proud to own that quality in myself. I love that about you, but do you know the influence you have on people? Oh, that means a lot. Thank you so much. Mm. I don't know how to answer. I, I mean, do I know the influence I have on people? I mean, I think that I've been, I don't, I've been given an opportunity to, impact lives and i think i recognize the the magnitude of that type of power and i recognize that that's rare to have and i recognize that i have it and i'm grateful for it does that answer yeah it does and i think that it, i think that's a beautiful thing that i i always want when i think about you i think about you know watching richie with you last night or listening to your ability to truly see people it is a gift yeah and you are funny and you are great and you are all of those things but that is the thing i love the most about you is oh, that you, you really get that in people Thanks. so i that's the thing that makes me just so proud of you and i can't wait to watch all of the things which um is can we talk about the canadian tour real quick we can i we're currently i i can't say when it's going to happen but we are currently building a full-blown Canadian tour so like within the next year though, which sure. in the next year it will, okay. it'll be it'll start in Vancouver and make it all the way over to Halifax and I'll just be beep booping west to east hitting all these cities and it's going to be called the Joe Dombrowski A tour oh my gosh and we got to get Justin Trudeau we got it Justin Justin 10-4 if you're listening big daddy um you really need to make multiple appearances. I feel like, but I'm worried that if he comes that some people won't. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like there'd be therapy in real time. Yeah. Like my Edmonton ticket sales will plummet, but <laughs> Toronto might do really well. I think many people would love to see you with him. I think, I think that would be amazing. Oh my God. Listen, from the bottom of my soul, thank you for doing this for me. Thank you for being um, the inaugural guest <gasps> on the, um, everyone comes from somewhere podcast and um anything you want to leave these this amazing community with? Uh, i have my first ever comedy special coming out we haven't announced where it's going to be yet but it's <sighs> called don't eat the crayons and you can stay tuned on all my social medias at, at mr d times three and my website's mr d times three.com if you want to come see a live show come see a live show it'll change your life we'll put everything in the show notes uh joey dombrowski i love you thank you for being amazing thanks for having me
Ah, I can't wait. This is the first of many, I hope. And you amazing humans, um, stay tuned because we're just getting started around here. And uh, I can't wait for you to jump into guests equally as amazing as uh, my friend Joey D. Take care of each other, and I will see you back here soon. I'm a registered clinical psychologist here in beautiful Alberta, Canada. The content created and produced in this show is not intended as specific therapeutic advice. The intention of this podcast is to provide information, resources, some education, and hopefully a little hope. The Everyone Comes From Somewhere podcast by me, Dr. Jody Carrington, is produced by Brian Seaver, Taylor McGilvery, and the amazing Jeremy Saunders at Snack Labs. Our executive producer is the one and only, my Marty Pillar. Our marketing strategist is Caitlin Benito. And our PR big shooters are Des Vano and Barry Cohen. Our agent, the 007 guy, is Jeff Lonis from the Talent Bureau. And my emotional support during the taping of these credits uh, was and is and will always be my son, Asher.